the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, this is Heart of the City. My name is Chuck Olmsted. I'm the director of local ministries here on KGNW, and I'd like to welcome you today. Heart of the City is a program that shares testimonies and stories from various ministry leaders around the Seattle area. And uh, I always uh, like to say that it's, it uh, shows the faithfulness of God. The, the, the key verse in my life, my life verse is from uh, Psalms 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And when I talk to various uh, people throughout the week and when I hear their story, it just reminds me of the unique way that the Lord draws people to himself. And uh, today we'd like to hear the story of uh, Jeff Vanderstelt. Jeff is the lead elder pastor at Doxa Church in Bellevue. And uh, Jeff, I'd like to welcome you today. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yeah, so you are um, the, the, the elder, t- lead teaching pastor over at uh, Doxa. How long have you been there? I've been here since uh, January 2015, so a little bit over um, 18 you know, months or so, 18, 19 months. Uh, excellent. And, you know, for, for some of our listeners, they know Greek, but for those that don't, when they hear, it's not like the first church of Bellevue. So what is doxa? What does doxa mean? Yeah, the word doxa in the Greek means glory, and in particular, the glory of God. Uh, we uh, replanted this church out of another church that had fallen uh, in the region, and as a result, we wanted to make sure it was clear that this was uh, being restarted with a, a desire to make sure that God is glorified in everything, that we don't put one person up above Jesus. And uh, our hope and prayer was that uh, just as uh, we want to live for the glory of God, we also want to make sure the glory of God is, is saturating the Puget Sound uh, like God desires uh, it to happen. And we see that in Habakkuk. Uh, where we see there'll be a day when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And then Paul in Colossians one twenty seven says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. And so we really want to see our people live every single day with the intent that God would be glorified in every way and in every place. So that's really the heart and vision of our church. Well, when, as I was uh, looking through your website, and uh, the website is doxa-church.com, and I was uh, previewing some of the the things about Doxa Church, I, I see the, the term, you're a missional church. What does that mean? What that means for us is that we believe that every single member of the body of Christ has been called by God and is empowered by His Spirit to be 
uh, on the mission of being a disciple who makes a, makes disciples in the everyday stuff of life. So we see every single moment as mission and every single person as a missionary, and that it's the job of the, the leaders of the church to equip the people of God, the saints, for the work of ministry in the everyday stuff of life. The way we often say it is, we don't believe that the few should do the ministry for the many, but rather the few should equip the many for the ministry. And so we want to see everybody a minister of the gospel in every place God puts them in life. Well, Jeff, uh, I'd like to uh, share a little bit more towards the end of this broadcast about uh, what's happening uh, with uh, DOXA and some of the events and, and some of the things that you're doing here in the coming weeks. But one of the things that I really like to do is to to have uh, have you uh, share your story of how you came to faith in Jesus. Oftentimes, our KGNW listeners get to hear the teaching side of of many great pastors here locally and nationally, and uh, but they don't really get to hear their personal testimony. And so I've taken this time each week to ha- give the opportunity for local pastors and ministry leaders to share their testimony. And so I'd like to just start with you. At the beginning, did you grow up in this area? Were you uh, a part of the Northwest, or are you a transplant? I am a transplant. Yeah, I moved here in 1991, and uh, I married my wife of 23 years now in 93. She is from uh Seattle. That I met her when I moved here. So she's she's a true Seattleite, and I am a transplant. Uh-huh. Oh, so where did you grow up? I grew up in Michigan, uh, Muskegon, Michigan, not too far from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I uh, grew up uh, right by the lake, Lake Michigan. My dad's a fisherman. Uh, my parents both are believers, so I grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would. I grew up with. There's four boys in our family. My parents were just, are just amazing people. I regularly tell people that they're like blue collar theologians in the sense that uh, you wouldn't probably hear a, a lot of the finer points of of Calvinism or you know Reformed doctrine or Arminian doctrine in their conversations. They're, they're much more down to earth, everyday people. My dad's a businessman who started his own uh, companies and uh, actually didn't go to college, and neither one of my parents did, but they loved Jesus, loved to talk to people about Jesus. And we had a very open home, uh, which meant there would often be times when my dad would come home from work and say, hey, met a guy at work today, he has no place to live, what do you guys think? Let's pray together as a family, or it might be a worker that he's got that lost his home, or a husband that he and, he and his wife were having struggles and he needed a, a respite to kind of work on the marriage and get a little separation for some time, uh, or even a, a youth that needed a place to, to live. And regularly we would pray about that, and generally one of us boys would move out of our bedroom, move into one of the other boys' bedrooms, and give up our room for six months to a year while we invited another person into our life. So that was a fairly regular occurrence in our in our home. My dad actually set up our household also to be a very attractive place for youth to hang out. And so there was lots of fun stuff to do, pinball, pool tables, ping pong, pool in the backyard, all that stuff, because he wanted it to be really a ministry center. And so that's the life I grew up in, a very hospitable, open ministry uh, in our household. Uh, I was the second born of four boys. Uh, I 
I, uh, I would say that I, I lived the, the, the appearance of a Christian, and yet um, I really was uh, kind of a double-minded person. I, uh, when I was in the home or in the church gatherings or events, I, would, I knew how to play the part. Mm. However, in fact, I would say when I was eight years old, we had missionaries come to our church and share about you know, the reality of hell and you know, the impending doom that would be waiting for all of us who didn't know Christ. And so then they invited people to respond. And I, I remember coming forward, and in my mind, uh, the primary motivation was I just didn't want to go to hell when I died. And so I, I responded because of that. And I, I often say it was that moment I feel like I gave uh, God my afterlife, but I didn't really surrender my life. Uh, because I, I, I was thinking only about what would happen after I died, not what was happening while I was alive. Uh, and, and so I lived kind of that dual life. You know, the, my peers at school would have known me as the kid who was always at the party, always getting involved in things that you would never expect a follower of Jesus to be involved in. And, um, and I just knew how to play the part in both places. Uh, when I was a junior in college, I actually went to school for a soccer scholarship um, at Trinity in Deerfield, Illinois, and then I transferred over to Calvin and played soccer there. My junior year of my, uh, my, or I should say the second semester of my junior year, I went away to Spain, played some soccer there, but also went there to do an international study program. And uh, I had just come off from a very heartbreaking um, situation. I had been dating a, a girl for quite a while. We thought we were going to get married. We were looking at rings. Came home one weekend for uh, a surprise to visit her. Uh, Calvin College was not very far from my hometown. It's about an hour away. And um, showed up at her house. Her dad said, hey, she's not here. She's hanging out with Sean. And uh, Sean was one of my best friends. He was one of those kids that my parents took in. Mm. Uh, and so it became very close to us. Uh, so that we were all we were all friends. We all hung out together. We played volleyball on the beach together. So I figured out, oh, of course, we always hang out. I'm sure they're just hanging out. And I show up, and of course, uh, they were actually seeing each other behind my back. And I found that out uh, with, of course, a, I was devastated. Yeah. I went home, gra- grabbed a baseball bat, uh, was ready to go kill him. <laughs> and my <laughs> younger brother, thankfully. Uh, stopped me. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I probably would be doing prison ministry. <laughs> but um, he stopped me and talked sense in my head. But I went away to Spain with all that pain and all that hurt. And as a result, I, I went even deeper into despair and even more uh, destructive living uh, as a result. And one night I was coming home pretty late. Now, I, by God's grace, I, I was I lived in this beautiful little apartment right on the Mediterranean. Um, the woman who I lived with was an older woman who was a believer, and her son was the pastor of the Baptist church there in town. And so, of course, God knew exactly what he was doing. She told me later she was praying for me every single day uh, that God would get a hold of me. And um, Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I'm just thankful for people like that who pray people like me so and one night i came home uh thankfully sober uh opened up my bible my mom had taught me to read my bible every night and so before i went to bed it's just a pattern i had in my life so as legalistic as it was god used it and so i opened opened the bible started to read and um for the first time in my life i 
I heard God, not audibly, but you know, that, that still sweet voice that you get in your, in your heart, in your mind. And I, I remember very clearly him saying, Jeff, I want, I want your life. Uh, you gave me your afterlife, but I want your everyday life. I want you now. I want you for my purposes. And, um, I just got on my knees and, and surrendered to Jesus. And I remember the spirit of God just filling me, empowering me, giving me a, a deep, deep sense of God's affection and love and his forgiveness. And um, I had a, a great hope, not only that I was loved, but that he was going to, he was going to redeem me. He was going to, he was going to clean up the mess that I'd made in my life. And um, I remember saying, I don't know what you want me to do. I'll do anything you want. Just tell me. And, um, I didn't hear anything right away. Uh, my sense was wait. And so sure enough, about a week, week and a half later, I get a letter in the mail in Spain. I'm living in Denia, Spain. And this is from a camp in Pennsylvania called Summer's Best Two Weeks. And they said, hey, we, we heard about you, that you're an athlete. Um, uh, they assumed I was a Christian because I went to Calvin College. And uh, But they said, hey, we're a Christian camp. We need leaders who are athletes who will help run, you know, be counselors and leaders at the camp. And your name came to us. So we wonder if you'd be interested. And I'm just thinking, okay, God, I asked you to tell me what to do. (laughs) This is completely out of the blue. You know, I had no anticipation whatsoever of anything like this. So sure enough, I I knew I needed to do that. And came home from Spain. My, My parents greeted me at the airport. My mom immediately said what happened. Really? I said, what do you well, mean? mamas know, oh, don't yeah. yeah, mamas know, oh. don't they? <laughs> no. Yes. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, you're not the same. You changed. Something happened. And then I told her, and she said um, she had been praying for years that I would, I would um, truly surrender to Jesus. And um, she said, man, there's so many days I saw you heading down a road that I thought would destroy you. And uh, so she was overjoyed. Um, in fact, I would say, like, moms, keep praying for your kids, you know. Um, well, that's one of the greatest gifts I have is a mother in Spain and a mother in America, the United States, that prayed for me. And um, that changed me, of course. God, God worked through that. And I went away to that camp. I worked all summer. Um, I found that I had this ability to open the Word and teach it. I had this an evangelistic uh, gift as well because I would just saw, I saw so many kids come to Christ that summer and loved pouring into them and people affirmed that I had a gift to teach. Um, in fact, they started having me speak at the larger gatherings. Uh, oftentimes I came, came home that summer, met with my pastor um, and my youth pastor. I didn't grow up with a youth pastor, but they had hired one after I went away to college. And so I met with him and said, I don't know what to do. I've got one year left in business school. You know, I'm going to have a, a degree in, in management, business management administration what am I going to do? Should I just drop out? And he said, no, finish it. Pastor, most pastors would have done well to get a business degree because so much of what they'll do in the church is going to require those kinds of skills as you build it, uh, an organization. But he said, why don't you come and learn underneath me? So I, I drove probably two or three times a week back home just to be with him, uh, learn from him. He put me in charge of a lot of the youth ministry work. Uh, and did that for a year, worked at a Christian juvenile home as well, just to get more in, uh, experience working with broken youth, and then uh, graduated from college and got hired uh, to be a youth pastor 
uh, with a business degree at First Christian Reformed Church in Seattle. And uh, they had they had been only wanting uh, seminary graduates, so they'd only put the job offer uh, opportunity in the, with, with Calvin Seminary. But for some reason, it made it to the, the undergrad. Uh, to Calvin College, and uh, so I was the only guy who showed up at the interview that did not have a master's degree. Everybody else had a, their MDiv, and um, of course, really, I thought I was doomed. There's no way I'm going to get this job, and yet I was the number one applicant that they wanted. And uh, so, again, just God's grace uh, on my life. And they had wanted to see their church move from being uh, fairly in-ground, was connected to a Christian school locally, which was called Watson Green Christian School. It's now called Shoreline Christian. And they had they wanted their, their youth to start. They, they knew they needed to reach unbelieving youth, and it was hard to do it with the church being so well-connected to the Christian school, which they loved, but they knew that the church needed to grow in its evangelism and outreach. So they asked if I would come and help lead the church, and particularly the youth that way. And we grew a youth ministry from about you know a dozen kids to several hundred kids in a few years, by God's grace. Um, most of those conversion um, kids that didn't know Jesus coming to faith in Jesus, and um, and then along the way, I, I of course I like I said I'd met my wife. I I moved in uh, August of 2000. I'm sorry, of 1991. That like within weeks, I I met her, and the moment I met her, I heard the Lord say, "That's your wife," mm. and. Uh, so I pursued her, and uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, her dad said, you don't get to date my daughter, you have to meet with me. So he and I started doing Bible study together. And he took me through as much as he could in the Bible on what it means to be a godly man, right. what it means to be a husband. Right. I was just so gifted to have that. And um, married her, um, I asked her to marry, her, marry me um, nine months later, and we got married nine months after that. So a year and a half from when I met her, we were married. We now have three children. Uh, Haley, Caleb, and Maggie, they're 14, 12, and 10. Um, so wonderful children, really blessed. Along the way, I got called to a church in Chicago that um, the youth pastor had been sexually involved with the students and um, and some leaders. I went to prison for it. I was asked if I would step in and rebuild that youth ministry, which we did. God was very gracious in that work and seeing it being rebuilt. And then I was called by youth by um, Willow Creek, to step in and, and lead the student ministry at Willow Creek in Chicago. And so it, we did that. We rebuilt that a bit to be a, a decentralized ministry, so it wasn't all happening in the building, but mm-hmm. wanted to equip and train students to do it in their schools and their neighborhoods. And then in 2003, we moved back to the region to plant a church called Soma, which we planted in Tacoma, and that led to a family of churches that's all over the country and even in other parts of the world, um, about 30 or 40 churches now. And then recently, a uh, year and a half ago, I was, or now two years ago, I was called, actually in October, two years ago, this upcoming October, I was called to step into what was Mars Hill Church in Bellevue and asked if I would start a new church with the people that remained after that, um, after that fell apart. And um, after six weeks of praying and fasting, my wife and I uh, accepted that call, and we've been working here ever since. By God's grace, it's been a beautiful journey. Uh, God used Isaiah 61 as a pretty significant part of that call to see um, God rebuild uh, out of ancient ruins the, and former devastations to raise up oaks of righteousness to see a re- restoration work done. And by God's grace, that's been happening. So 
That's that's the quickest version the, of the story. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're listening to Heart of the City, and and our guest today is uh, Jeff Vanderstelt. He's the the lead pastor at Doxa Church over in Bellevue. You know, as you were sharing your story and you were talking about uh, early on about your father inviting, uh, uh, you know, and praying with the family about inviting people to stay with you, you, uh, you know, men or 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 uh, teenagers who needed help and that sort of thing. My my immediate reaction when I heard you talk about your father was what a great woman your mother is. <laughs> uh, that's the immediate because I thought, okay, you know, there's the heart of a father of the of the man, but then there's got to be that woman alongside that's willing to that's to right. put up with that, you know. And then as you started <laughs> right. sharing about your mom's prayers, I thought your mom's got to be a really great woman. Yeah, she's an amazing woman. Yeah, and the, so blessed. Yeah, and the prayers of those mothers uh, are are mm. so important, aren't they? And and uh, to see the fruition of that now, m- these many years later, I'm sure, I'm sure God blessed you with a great mom and dad. Well, talk to mm-hmm. me about what's going on with uh, with Doxa now. I know there's some events coming up uh, the first part of October. Talk to me about uh, Saturate the World. Yeah, so uh, saturatetheworld.com is a website we started to come alongside of uh, some of the work I was doing with SOMA, the church that I started. We got more and more requests to help and, and equip and, and train the church and the people of the church to be on mission in everyday life. And uh, Saturate was started to start to resource that, to equip that, to provide a community online for people to talk about how to do that and what it looks like. So alongside of that, we realized we needed to provide some uh, training uh, in key cities. So we've worked, we partner with The Verge, which an organization out of Austin that uh, really believes in what we're doing. We're very similar in our heart um, to put on a two-pronged event. The first event is Verge. and that's really helping the church leaders to understand a vision for gospel saturation, equipping people for mission in all of life. And then that's followed by the event Saturate Every Day, which is a Friday night and all day Saturday, designed in particular for people that probably can't get work off during the week, the everyday member of the church to come and get equipped and trained in what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples of Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. So those are it's two two different events, but they're partnered together back to back intentionally. Yeah. So uh, the website again, uh, if someone wants to get more information about uh, the Saturate and also the the uh, the Verge conference. Yeah, saturatetheworld.com, and it actually highlights that event, which is October sixth, seventh, and eighth. Uh, Verge being the sixth and seventh, and Saturate Every Day being the seventh and eighth. Yeah. Well, excellent. Well, we encourage uh, our KGNW listeners to uh, to check those websites out and and uh, go to the conference. Uh, just a couple of minutes left here. If uh, if I've never been uh, to Doxa in Bellevue and I want to come on a Sunday, uh, what uh, what's that church going to look like when I walk through the doors? What uh, what am I going to experience? What do you want me to experience when I attend? <laughs> Uh, first of all, I'd, I'd love for you to feel like you came you came to a family gathering. One of the hearts of our people is to really love one another like family, and so I would hope that you'd feel welcomed, uh, that there'd be a, a kind of hospitality that you'd experience when you come in. Uh, we're going to preach about Jesus every single Sunday. We're going to preach from the Bible. 
um, exegetically uh, unpacking a text, and you're going to experience some really, really great opportunity to worship in song through some very talented musicians. Um, but most importantly, I would hope you'd experience family, Jesus, and a grace-filled community. Hmm. Amen, amen. Well, we've got just about a minute and a half left, uh, Jeff, and, and I'd love to wrap up this segment just uh, with a good word from a local pastor, that's you, uh, encouraging mm-hmm. our KGNW listeners. As they've listened today to this program, Heart of the City, and they've heard your testimony, what's the, uh, what would you like to share with them to wrap things up? My heart would be to help every follower of Jesus, every person that's listening, know that God is is not looking for the most impressive or the most educated or even the oldest members of his family to do great work. He's looking for people that want to be available, people that are open to him working in their life. And I would want you to hear that it doesn't matter where you've come from, where you've been, what education you have or don't have. What matters is God wants to use your life in powerful ways, in everyday situations, in your neighborhood, in your household, at work, wherever you go, to bring His fame and glory to the places you live. That you really are called to be a minister of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that Jesus wants to fill every place through your life for His glory. And believe it and step into it. Amen. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmsted at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.